Welcome to season five of the Florida Institute for Child Welfare podcast. I am Jessica Price, your host. Over the next few episodes, we will hear from innovators in child welfare and their system partners who are working to transform the workforce through technology. I'm looking forward to learning about the process of implementing new initiatives and gaining the frontline perspective from our colleagues in the field. Let's get started. Today we're talking with Morgan Ryan, the director of KSAME at the Children's Home Society. KSAME is a new workforce innovation, and I'm excited to learn more about it. Morgan, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me today. So Morgan, I'd love for you to tell the listeners how you got into child welfare. That's always a curious thing for me. What brought you into the field? When I was a baby, my sister and I were both adopted from Korea. So we were adopted to a family in America and have been here since. But I think adoption's always been something that I was interested in, in trying to then see how I can serve other people and trying to help other families and children. So social work was a natural path for me to choose and going to school. I actually graduated from the College of Social Work at Florida State University. So graduated from there and then moved on and trying to figure out how do I get my foot in the door and trying to work with adoptions. I found my way into dependency case management with Children's Home Society. And then my journey has kind of been in dependency since then. Thank you so much for explaining your journey into the field. The first thing I want to start with is you explaining what is KSAME for folks who haven't heard of this new innovation. KSAM was developed by Children's Home Society. We started back in 2015 with a hackathon where we came together with case managers, supervisors, program directors to say, how is it that CHS can think in an innovative way to really improve case management. We know that case managers are struggling. We know there's turnover. There's always been turnover. We know that the processes that we have in place have been in place forever. We carry around flip phones. We don't have smartphones, even though that's the technology that was developed by then. We carry around laptops, heavy laptops, instead of having actual tablets. So those were some of the basic ideas we said, well, we there's innovation and technology out there. So if we have a smartphone, there's apps and things like that, that you could touch your screen. So why not have like a home visit app? Why not have mobile technology to really incorporate into case management? Because we're using kind of the dinosaur age of case management. We're writing things on paper. We're traveling back and forth. We have just these outdated processes that we use, yet we struggle with the same exact things such as the turnover, delays and permanency, that kind of thing. So the other pie in the sky I do too is having kind of like a hub of team members that we have experienced case managers who understand like, how do we get some of these things off your plate? Because case managers are so bogged down and what are the reasons and the root causes of turnover? And it could be because they're overwhelmed, they're overburdened. So if we can have somebody who can take some of those things off your plate and alleviate that, then they can be more successful in the field. They can have more face time with families and the kids, which is really the primary reason why people get involved in case management and social work is really to have that communication and the direct contact with families and working with kids. We don't get into social work to say, I want 80 to 90% of my job to be paperwork and sitting behind a desk. You really want to be out in the field and have those meaningful interactions. Case aim, it's a people process and technology solution. So it's kind of threefold with the tools that we use, the people and the team members that we've created processes for, and then just the processes themselves. The aim stands for automation, innovation, and mobility. I love that you said you're ultimately trying to help the system work smarter, not harder, because we also know that there's a big issue with recruitment of folks even coming into our field. 
because I think it's a looming description of that job is impossible. That job is much too difficult. So I love that you all are saying, no, we can work smarter. We can have a level of efficiency. We can work in a comprehensive way, but it's not going to be deleterious to the folks that are doing the work. So I really appreciate that. We are talking with Morgan, who is the director of KSAME at CHS, but we also sat down with Brianna Kobayashi, who is currently a supervisor, previously a case manager. She works daily with the KSAME technology, and we also want you to hear how she defines it. Hi, Brianna. Thanks for being with us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So KSAME is a threefold project. So it has people, technology, and the process. Those three things together, the people, process, and technology are what build KSAME. So when you look at the people aspect, it's a group of people. Usually they're certified case managers. They've been in the field. They know what they're doing. And they are a support to all of our team. So they're a support to the case management who's out in the field every day doing the job. And they're kind of like the right-hand man. So they help with all of the background things that case managers just don't have time to do. So they can help with referrals and with contacting clients to send them for drug screens or just the back paperwork that really takes up, you know, we did a study before and I think it was about 80% of a case manager's job is information and backgrounds and sitting at your computer, not out in the field. So that portion is really the biggest support to case management. And then we have the technology portion, which is our tablets and our phone and our KSAME app, our caseworker hub. Working without that technology really makes it difficult to do our job every day. And the last aspect is the process, everything all together and how it's formulated together. Morgan and Brianna are right. In 2016, the Children's Bureau published that nationally, case managers spend only about 20% of their time working directly with families, while the other parts of their day are spent on case tasks and administrative paperwork. My next question for Morgan was focused on data. While tracking this new innovation, what have they found? When we first piloted with CHS and KSAME in Central Florida, we found some of the statistics was that children spent nearly 100 fewer days in foster care. We found that kids had a higher likelihood of returning home. So finding that 61% of children working with KSAME exited foster care within 12 months compared to 45% of those not using KSAME and that kids experienced fewer moves, like 2.8 moves versus 3.4. So we found some very significant data to show that this is beneficial because I think we're supporting the case managers and the work that they do, and then they're supporting the families. It's kind of a, a trickle-down effect. So we have a couple ways that we track things. The system that we created for the case managers to request from the specialists, so the specialists who are kind of taking that administrative burden off, there's a whole system in place where they can request through the system directly, like what the task is that they need. So we're talking service referrals, ICPC or out-of-county transmittals to try to get services in place or do home studies and things like that. ICPC stands for Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children. This ensures the protection and support for children who are placed outside of Florida. And case managers do not have to take care of that ICPC paperwork if they're working with case aim. Correct. Yep, that's one of the big tasks that we take off. We have like a drop down of those tasks correlated to the families and then also correlated to then the case manager that pulls it straight through the system. But I think I've got some data here to show. Back in 2021, so just last year, we had about statewide, we operate in Miami-Dade, Greater Lakeland and Central Florida, but we had over 5,000 service referrals completed, 
over 2,115 records requests, you know, doing drug screens or helping our team calling parents directly and kind of trying to take that burden off the case manager. So 2,830 drug screens, doing background checks that weren't talking about permanency and trying to find home studies or even closing out cases and looking at reunification for parents, 1,028 background checks. These numbers kind of add up and you can kind of see just how much quantity-wise that we can kind of alleviate the case managers. So in Miami, we started our transportation team kind of up and running the way that it's centralized in Central Florida and Greater Lakeland. So having a supervisor who can then coordinate that transportation piece. But even from August, when we first implemented that down there to December, there was 1,193 children that were transported. Now, of course, that could be duplicate kids if you have ongoing transports. We have ways that we track to see the amount, quantity of work that they do. So this is work that's being taken directly off the case managers. Thank you, Morgan. And a follow-up question. Can you talk more about the case aim specialists and what a difference they are making for frontline professionals? Sure. So the people who are doing the referrals would be our specialists. So our specialists, our requirement is that they're certified case managers. We want to have a promotional opportunity for case management for them to jump in as specialists because, you know, the idea when we first piloted, we kind of tested it out with an admin level versus somebody who has experience. And we found the people who've got experience, they know what to look for. So if you say, hey, I need a referral for this child, this intake just came in, they can go digging through FISPIN, which is the database and, and see, okay, here's the history. They know exactly how to pull an FFAO. Like they know the things to look for. They're trained because they've got the experience. The FFAO is the Family Functioning Assessment Ongoing. This is a continuation of the FFAI, which is the initial assessment completed by child protective investigators to assess present danger threats. In 2020, in collaboration with the Department of Children and Families, our institute conducted a study of the FFAI. In this analysis, only 50% of these forms were sufficiently completed, and none of them had enough documentation to accurately identify a present danger threat. This shows that if the current assessment has been difficult to fully complete, KSAM's use of specialists could be a helpful resource. It sounds like it's a collaborative process. Case managers still have a, a pretty active role in the FFAO. Yes, the case managers are the ones writing the information and then the specialists are the ones who are able to kind of look through that and understand if I'm looking for specifically the needs of this child because I'm doing a play therapy referral, like where in this assessment can I find the best information to be able to then refer over and provide them with the most accurate information so that we're providing appropriate services. Because, you know, if our goal is to reunify children, if they have maybe some special needs, how do we help the children get the services they need while simultaneously getting the parents the services that they need so as well. Let's hear from Brianna about the difference KSAM is making with her and her team. So as a case manager, it made a world of a difference. Before KSAM, well, for technology, we had clunky laptops that didn't hold a charge and would never start. And so to think that you're going out into the field and you can't be there present with them if you're trying to pull up this laptop and do these things. So now we have tablets that we can sit there with our clients and we can look things up. We can make referrals with them. I can have them sign something. You know, if I have a family that needs daycare, they can sign this application right there and we can send it in. On top of that, we have the Caseworker Hub, which is our app on our phone. And so it helps us to really be there and present with the families and complete our visit 
almost on our phone at our fingertips. So we're asking them questions, engaging with them, all of it's going on our phone, and then we can submit it. And what happens is after you complete this note, everything you just did and talked about goes straight to FISFIN, which is our system, our database where everything is collected. So even things like I can take a photo of these children and it automatically inserts it. So before I would have to take a photo and then I have to save it and then I have to upload it and it's you know a much longer process. On the other side of things, when you're at a home visit or say as a case manager, you're meeting with a parent for some parent contact and I'm out in the field and this parent really needs an application for something, they need a referral for a new counseling provider. I can request that the people person of KSAME assist with that. So I know this is what they need and I add it to their system, their tracking system. And I can say, this is what's needed and they can work on that in the background and have that process going for you as a case manager so that you're not two weeks later remembering, oh, I said I would do this and it never gets done. And I can see it in their work. You know, I can see that they're able to be more productive. They're able to be in the field more with their families, which is what case managers need to do. We're all in this for the passion of helping these families. And when you're not with the families, it's very hard to do that. So they're able to be out there and really getting to the core of why we're working with these families and helping make those changes and helping children have their permanency that they deserve because they're out there doing the work because of all of these supports that they have. Wow. As a former frontline professional who remembers vividly having to juggle phone calls, paperwork, preparing petitions for court, and making referrals for families, I'm astounded by how useful this can be. It sounds as if a case manager can meet a family, assess an immediate need, and alert an experienced specialist who understands the job and what the community offers for families. So you're saying because of this help, resources and services for that family can be gathered in real time? Yep, that's exactly it. Thank you so much. That's really helpful. So I'm always excited to hear how KSAME is going because, as you know, a few years ago, our institute was able to partner with you all and do an evaluation. So my next question is going to talk about the areas that are using it. You mentioned Miami, Lakeland. What was the third area? Central Florida. Okay. And I was curious about utilization and resistance. Are you at 100% utilization? And if not, are you getting any resistance? And if so, how are you managing that? Utilization-wise, I don't think I have particular numbers on that. We always kind of pose it with case managers. We're here to help. We're here to make things more efficient. It's kind of a tool for you to use in your toolbox. And if you use it, great. If you don't use it and you find ways that make sense to you to work better, then do that. So some people may not use it just because they may prefer to do their own referrals, that kind of thing. But I would say the majority of folks, especially now with high caseloads, definitely see the benefit of using KSAME. We definitely want to encourage more use, but some folks I know, I know in Miami-Dade, they're required to use the app based off some of their contracts, but in other areas, they prefer to kind of write their narrative on the computer. So it just depends on the person. So we don't want to kind of force it if it's not something that's going to be beneficial, if it's going to make it harder for them. But a lot of folks, when they start using the app or using the different tools that we've got, they find that it's beneficial. When we asked Brianna about utilization, this was her take. I think obviously our number one goal is just 100% utilization. Every once in a while, we have some case managers that are resistant to change and we're always growing and always changing, not only 
in just casing, but in child welfare, because this world is always changing. So I think utilization is a big part of it and really making sure that people fully understand how it supports them and how it can be there for them. And it's hard if you think about the people aspect. And this is something I even struggled with at first is to say, okay, these are my families. And then to step back and say, well, I have to let go of control and let someone else help me with this. And that's hard to do in this field. So being able to say, I trust this person to do this and help me with this and still be there to support my families and really pushing to that next level of full utilization, constant growing within the field altogether. Morgan, as we know, the pandemic has changed so much about our lives. I wanted to ask you about its impact on KSAME. We pivoted with the pandemic. So 2020 in March, when everything kind of shut down and we didn't have the face-to-face contact anymore with families just because of the pandemic going on. So in 2021, we kind of added on one of our line items of being, you know, how many virtual visits have we facilitated as our transporters taken on? And in Central Florida in 2021, we had 1,077 virtual visits that our team of transporters coordinated and were doing ongoing. So, I mean, just those numbers itself just shows the impact that we can have for case management because again, everything that our team does is really to alleviate case management and it's tasks that case management would have had to do otherwise. Now let's hear how Brianna had to lead her team through the challenges of the pandemic. We talk about COVID-19 and how it's really changed everything. We have regular exposures to COVID and at that point, you can't go in the field. You can't be with your families. You can't do the things that you're supposed to be doing every day. So finding a way that when all of a sudden case managers out there in the nitty gritty, and then all of a sudden they have to go sit at their house and they can't work makes it very difficult. So how does case aim help us just jump in there? Like you were the case manager the whole time working with that family and continue to serve those families and ensure child safety and drive permanency for however long that caseworker is out. And Morgan, are there other states utilizing case aim yet? There's an agency in New York City that's interested in case aim and what we're doing. So we are going to be moving forward with working with them and seeing if they use the same model, same technology. We partner with an agency called Stabilify, who's our technology solution, and see if we can, as a team, develop the same system in place of what New York City requires with that agency to see if it's successful there too. Because if we can then show that not only is it successful here in Florida with our agency, but also other systems of care, because they may have different rules and contract requirements through New York City to see if we can then say that this as a whole is successful. So I know we are also interested in working and teaming with Florida State to kind of do our follow-up study. That was our initial pilot was back in 2016. And here we are in 2022 now to see is this still as successful as we first had it. And one of the things that we do with KSAME, or one of the things that I talk to my team about is that we always will adapt. So we have the capability to adapt to what the need is. And I think the need right now in 2022 looks a lot different than it did in 2016, just based off of the pandemic, the remote work that we do. You see this placement crisis throughout the state of Florida. You see kids disrupting placement, but not having the stability. So how do we then as a program really adapt to change to then kind of fit the need of where the case managers are right now? That is so exciting that it's possibly expanding to New York. And it's also exciting for us that we get to partner with you again. We're definitely postured towards continuing to create data and outcomes around KSAME. It's such a meaningful software. Thank you so much, Morgan. As we wrap up, I'd love for 
you to provide anything else you'd like folks who are listening who might be interested in KSAM? Is there anything else you'd like them to know? KSAM is just meant to create that efficiency and really support case managers. I mean, especially in the time with the pandemic and with COVID and we talk about resilience and we talk about case managers ability to kind of bounce back and really push through this. And I know that we've been saying this for three years now, but you see the light at the end of the tunnel to say, how do we, when are we going to get through all this? And what is that going to look like once we get out on the other side of the pandemic? We're starting to see people back in the office and people back at work and building that camaraderie. But I think having case aim in place is really important because they kind of are those connectors in between people. And when we talk about being those informal mentors and really trying to help support the team, you know, I think a lot of people are emotionally burnt out because of just the state of the world right now. So I think the more support that we can give case managers to kind of push through and say, hey, listen, you're not you're not alone in this and we're gonna get through this push because we see high case loads and we see people who are just kind of done and you see job opportunities out there. You see a lot of people who are hiring and you see them hiring at high rates. So. People say, okay, what point is this worth it for me to stay here versus going to work somewhere where I could get a comparable salary without as much stress? So this is meant to take off some of that stress and say, hey, don't forget why you came into this field and don't forget your passion for working with kids and families. So we're really here to try to help them get through this time so we can hopefully get out on the other end of this. And now let's hear Brianna's closing remarks from the field. You know, I love my job. I will tell anybody it is the world's hardest job and there's not enough appreciation for child welfare workers out there. But I'm always hopeful that we can just better child welfare and make it better for the families that we serve. Having those negative connotations around child welfare and being in the system and things like that. Like we're here to help your family and to support your family and make your family better for you and your children. And so pushing that and always being there. And then, you know, as a supervisor, I love my team. I love working with my teams. I would like to thank all of our guests who took time to share their journey of innovation with us. If you are interested in learning more about their amazing work, please visit us at www.ficw.fsu.edu. You can also follow the Institute on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FSU Child Welfare. Thank you.